Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Anthony Tinker, joined by my fellow host, Father Peter Teresa McConnell. What, what? In the house? Okay, cut. <laughs> Let's try that again. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, trying to be serious, but obviously that's not Oh, happening. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I came a little too hot. I'm sorry. And March Madness, I think, is just in your blood. Yeah. 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 You're, you're just trying to bring the spice of life to this yeah, podcast. Variety is the spice of life, and you varied it up right there. We are Franciscan Results. I wish, I wish our viewers could see your face right now. <laughs> this is why there's not a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are in Lint. I hope you're joining us uh, as we go through. That's the kind of boost we need to get through. Yeah, this, we, this a, part we of are almost season. there. Yeah, like we're just trying to get that a little energy more weeks. We're to got, get us across We're literally, the Holy line. Week is next week. Palm Sunday is this upcoming oh, Sunday okay, yes. for Things our listeners happening. right now, if they're listening to it when this comes out. And for us, it's a, just a little bit further than that, but we, mm-hmm. are, we are moving and grooving. So... Um, Welcome. We are talking about the Seven Sorrows Rosary, and today we get to talk about the beautiful, beautiful um, Pieta, yes. the Mary holding the body of Jesus after it has passed. Actually, I want to start with kind of what we do sometimes, and that's our reflection that's outside of the mystery, but yeah. very much connected. And I want to go right to talking about the Pieta by Michelangelo, which is this absolutely gorgeous piece of art mm-hmm. that Michelangelo carved. Uh, he's yeah, so- arguably... Um, I don't know if it's arguing, he probably just is the greatest sculptor of all time. And uh, which is also, he's also an incredible painter, but mm-hmm. if you didn't know this, he, he painted the Sistine Chapel, but he's actually a sculptor yeah. first. Mm-hmm. And that's his his best medium. He did David, uh, famously did Moses, um, and obviously the Pieta, which is uh, in the Vatican. Have you had the privilege of seeing the Pieta in yes. person? Yes. Just no. tell me about your impression about walking up on the Pieta. Well, I, I, if I recall correctly, it is like right there when you walk into the, the right. Vatican. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of like, oh, wow, I've just walked into probably one of, if not the most famous statue in all of the world. And uh, I, I can't say that I have like too profound of a reflection of it. You know what I mean? It was very busy, very crowded. And, uh, but I, I think I just remember like just, I, I it was, it's definitely, like awe-inspiring, um, just definitely knowing that you're standing before uh, a masterpiece, and then then also just recognizing just what this scene depicts and how how beautiful it is. Um, so no, it was. I mean, uh, it was it was great. It was a great experience. I got stuck there, like yes. just emotionally, physically, <laughs> like. I get emotionally Every, stuck other places. No, I'm just that, my first time. So I was a college <laughs> yeah. student. I was going to Franciscan. I was uh, studying abroad. First time I went to Rome, we go down and they're giving us a tour of the Vatican, right? We're a whole tour group, they'll scoot those guys, they're walking around. And I walked upon the pizza and the tour group moved on and I just couldn't, mm. like, I just got trapped. Wow. I was like, I'll get back to see the rest of it mm-hmm. later. And I was there for maybe an hour. Wow. Just in front of the pizza, just totally sucked into this yeah. image, which is just this beautiful, again, depiction. So if you didn't know, actually, the pieta was made for a, a high altar. 
Mm-hmm. It was made to be the top piece on a high altar. So yep. imagine for the um, for those who who've been seen a high altar, or for the older uh, members who are listening to us, remember from when your child had a high altar. That uh, some churches still have them, but they used to celebrate the mass on the high altar, which means where the tabernacle is, there was also an altar, and then the priest would be there. And it was normally very the well decorated. There'd be this beautiful tapestries or statues or parts of this, not just the altar itself and tabernacle, but kind of imagery that, mm-hmm. that rose up. And the Pieta was originally carved to be this top piece, right above, not right above the tabernacle, but above the tabernacle, higher up. And so when you look at it, you're supposed to look at it from below, which is why yeah. it's very, kind of disproportionate. You see Mary's much right. bigger, much She's larger. twice the size. Well, it's because of the proportion you're supposed to be looking up upon her from where, yes. if, from where you would have been sitting in the congregation. It would have looked you know, uh, ideal right. for their sizes. And also you see that she's like almost hold, pouring Jesus out. It's almost mm-hmm. as if as she's holding him, she's kind of letting him go mm-hmm. in a sense. Well, because it, it, the imagery there is she's holding the sheet, which represents the corporal yeah. on which the body of Christ- Or like a humor veil, maybe hum- even, yeah, yeah either one. consecrated. Yeah. And, 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 and she's almost laying Jesus down upon the altar yeah. for the consecration. Yeah. But he who was crucified- this, this this is being represented here on this altar. And she comes like laying him down. The imagery is just so profound. Yeah, it's very, very beautiful that, you know, that there's just a profound meditation upon the, the body of Christ, uh, that this is, uh, that we receive, you know, his His glorified, his resurrected body uh, is, is sacramentally present uh, for us in the Eucharist, but it is the, that the body of Jesus and, and it is Our Lady. It is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, she is the one who gives us the body. Uh, and through her yes, through her fiat, that she is the one who, we can say very mysteriously, that she is the one who gives God a body, uh, that he, God becomes incarnate uh, in her womb. And so, and then takes on human flesh through her. And then to have that, you know, magnificent statue to be above an altar and then to then have this sort of sort of Our Lady giving the her son's body to us. That's a very, very priestly act. Um, and then to be reminded of that, you know, at the mass when you would go, if you could, I mean, if you could just imagine just going, you know, and, and even just seeing like the priest elevating the host at the elevation and it kind of just coming into line with Our Lady also presenting the body of Christ to, yeah. to her people. Um, and then as a I priest, say we put it back, let's get yeah, it back. Just to be able to look up and <laughs> yeah. see that image mm-hmm. as you, as you elevate the host, to be able to look up and just see that image. It's so like, what, what, what great, I mean, we're, we're, we're human. Yes. Like, <clears throat> yes, at, at the altar, we get to stand in the person of Christ and um, it's this beautiful moment, but we get distracted mm-hmm. and it's not always easy. Yeah. And there's times when, you know, you're looking out and there's, you know, you know, people and you see the people and you get to see a nice exit sign in the back. And like, you know, there's not, you know, always the, the ways to draw the mind or the hearts yeah. up to God. And how, what profound imagery that, that the priest in that moment when looking, like was able to consecrate the host and elevate it and then look up mm-hmm. and see Our Lady holding Jesus yeah. in the Pieta. And just in that moment of profound reflection and contemplation to keep that the mind of the priest drawn to what he's supposed to be focused on. Yeah. And that is the sacrifice that yeah. he is representing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also then just like, I think it's why it's important for priests to have just kind of a, a Marian devotion to have Mary part of their spiritual life because 
they that they do a lot of the things that 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 Mary did, you know, and it's been, and most profoundly, you know, they they too, um, and becoming an altar Christus, that they they recognize like this is my body, um, that that I'm that that is becoming one with the Eucharist, and that they are are giving, and this then too is Our Lady's body that that she gave, uh, and so it's a very very deep deep uh, and profound and beautiful mystery, and uh, just to have that to draw you more deeply into what the Eucharist is. And I think especially we can think of this now and what the church is asking for is this Eucharistic revival. Uh, and I think the, the Pieta uh, is a beautiful thing to meditate upon to help then lead us more deeply into our love and devotion for Jesus and the most blessed sacrament. You know, it's interesting. I'm, uh, you know, looking at Wikipedia as we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably a bad idea, but they're claiming that the Pieta was made for a uh, a tomb to be on top of this mm. French cardinal's tomb, which which might have been also on an altar, which very much he might so have those been might not be it, underneath it, it, an yeah. altar. So it mm -hmm. might actually be be a very that's a good point. But I was just mm -hmm. also thinking of that the the imagery of death, yeah, and and mm -hmm. this this call of like placing this above a tomb, and just that beautiful reflection upon death. Yeah. Memento mori. So the Carthusian monks would always say, remember your death. And how how important it is that we just have to remember that we're going to die. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a nice segue, uh, speaking of remember your death, into yes. the death of the Lord. Yes. And the sixth sorrow of Our Lady. And we've talked about this beautiful image, but uh, really to focus in on Our Lady and the sorrow she would have experienced holding the dead body of her son. Mm -hmm. That the same body that she held as a newborn infant mm -hmm. in her arms filled with life, and now she's holding in death. And the the grief must have been unconsolable. Yeah. Even though we talked about the last time, even though she knew he was gonna rise, mm -hmm. that doesn't take away the grief. And you said so profoundly last time, if you didn't listen to it, please, I encourage you, that, that we can't deny our feelings. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we'll do that, like, oh, he's gonna rise again. Three days, already, he's already predicted right, it, he already said right. it. Like Mary believes it. Yeah, There's no doubt in her mind, but that doesn't mean there's no sorrow in the moment. And even the midst of sometimes we just kind of deflect and we go, oh, okay, well, not that big of a deal. Oh, don't cry, like it'll be okay. It's like, no, imitate Our Lady mm -hmm. and weep and mourn over the death of your son. Yeah, Like weep and mourn over the loss and the tragedy. You don't have to be strong for somebody else. You don't have to put on a face. She's not trying to be strong for John and Mary Magdalene who are there. She's not trying to put on airs mm -hmm. or pretend to be someone she's not. She's just entered into the grief of this moment. And that is that her son, who is the son of God, has been crucified mm -hmm. and is dead. And the, uh, the all the sorrow that goes with that, her own son dying, the fact that his own people rejected him the mm. fact that the people he wanted to save killed him. Yeah. And the fact that he even used that to save them despite their ill intentions, uh, just where her heart must have been in all that emotion. Yeah. Uh, is, is a profound reflection, I think, for us all. Yeah. I have a, uh, I had, the, I had the, the great privilege of maybe three years ago doing, I don't know if it was a five or an eight day silent retreat up in Black Canyon City with Father Eugene Mary and he led some other priests. And and so part of that was he would give you like four scriptures to pray with every day. 
and and then you would pray, do four holy hours, pray through scriptures, and then you'd go back and talk to him and, you know, just kind of see what the Lord did in that time. And then, you know, he would either say, okay, like the Lord's doing something with that scripture, like double down on that one, do that one again, or, you know, let me do something else. And, but he gave me this one uh, to pray with. And it was one of the more um, deeper meditations that I had during that retreat. And so I, I would just, you know, so my relationship to this mystery is very much colored by that meditation. And it's, it's, it's only a few passages in John, a few verses in John's gospel. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe like one or two verses. Like they, they take Jesus down from the cross, you know what I mean? And that's just kind of, he doesn't make a big hubbub about it, but, but he had me pray with like the image of the, of the Pieta and, and so if you've ever done sort of like imaginative Ignatian prayer, you have to like imagine yourself in the scene. And I just remember thinking like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Like, like they're taking down this body from the cross. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't, no one taught me how to like remove nails from someone's hand or like take down a body from a cross or like, like I'm not like, I don't possess like the skills necessary to like, do this task with like uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. So I'm just like kind of like in my imagination, my I'm just like standing there being like, I don't really belong here. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I kind of feel uh, like unimportant and significant. And then they place uh, just the, the the body of Jesus in our, this is all my imagination. They place the, the body of Jesus in, in Our Lady's lap. And and then, it, and, and then my prayer experience, she just invited me over, you know what I mean? And it didn't matter that I um, didn't know what to do or I felt incompetence in some way or that like, I, I felt like I didn't belong. And I was, and I also like, I mean, I'm, then I'm watching like Our Lady just look so lovingly at the body of her son and being like, okay, like I don't belong in this moment either. Like this is a very tender moment between a mother and a son. And I'm just sort of like this spectator on the outside, like I should probably just give these, give Our Lady her privacy, you know? And but she just invited me in um, and she just uh, invited me to come close. And, 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 and this particular meditation that I was having, um, it was very much like what you were just kind of saying where this was the body of a child that she just held. And, and that's what it felt like. It almost felt like Jesus was just napping in his mother's arms. Yeah. And, and he was just so peaceful, you know, his body was so peaceful. And, and Our Lady, um, you know, it was this terrible, gruesome scene and his body is, is beaten and battered and bloodied. And yet she was just sort of this safe, calm refuge in the midst of the trauma of the cross. And she was just saying like, it's okay. It is safe to come near, to be close. Uh, and so I just remember, like, I just, I just, I just see just like her, just her gentleness, just her, her, her motherliness. And even just like her, like being a mother for me in that moment and, and just inviting me close. It's just, it's just what she does. Yeah. She just invites us to be close to Jesus and makes it okay for us to be there. And it was, it was kind of like, I was kind of having the experience in, in my prayer of like, uh, you know, uh, a mother holding like a newborn infant and you kind of have to like be quiet and whisper because you don't want to wake the child. And it was just sort of that sort of stillness and that sort of peace yeah. and that sort of gentleness that that she just created 
uh, and that she was just inviting me into. And so, so yeah, so for me, this mystery, um, you know, it's just Our Lady just being this refuge uh, in the midst of like the most traumatic, horrific, horrible thing that's ever happened. Like my sins, I mean, that's the other thing too. Like my sins did this to him. Like I shouldn't get close. Like, like you're perfect. You're sinless. Like you can hold him, but like I'm a sinful wretch. And it's like, because of my sins that like this all happened. So I'm just going to kind of like show myself out. And, uh, and she's like, no, 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 no. Like we want you here. Like yeah. we love you, you know? And, uh, and so, and so th- I, I love this mystery. I love this, this sorrow. Um, that, that particular meditation um, is not so much sorrowful, um, but, but I think it, in, in my sorrow, um, she was just making space for it for me. That's beautiful. Yeah. So Father's talking about what they call like an Ignatian style yeah. of meditation. Yeah. I call it very Franciscan personally, but- uh, For sure, for but, sure. But Ignatius kind of really developed this style where you really put yourself into the scripture scene and a great way to pray. If, with, if there's mm-hmm. any scripture passages, anything else, a great way. We kind of joke about this. We'll talk about the chosen in a few weeks, mm-hmm. but, but this is all the issue we're getting at the chosen. It's yes. some, an individual's- personal reflections mm-hmm. on these scriptures. And so to put yourself in those scenes, and, and I, about a year and a half ago, I've meditated upon the scene many, many mm-hmm. times, but Lord really was doing the same thing on a retreat, bringing me into this. But I really put myself in the place of Mary mm. and put my place in this, put myself in the place of Jesus wow. being held by Mary, um, which is another way to do the meditation, just right. make yourself a character in the story. Yeah. And, and that's another beautiful, profound meditation I'd encourage for people yeah. to really, as they pray through this scene, um, to, to put yourself in the place of Mary and watch in your mind's eye, Joseph of Arimathea and John the Beloved and Nicodemus mm. laying the body of Jesus into your lap and into your arms and allowing yourself to experience that pain, that sorrow, that distress. And, and just remembering, like, I remember when I held you as a baby, mm-hmm. like, and, and just to allow the Lord to bring up anything. And sometimes he will oftentimes take you from that scene to another scene where you're mm. maybe holding on to some other sorrows in your life. Yeah. And you're like, I remember when this was a joy, why is it a sorrow now? Mm, yes. and, and to let him kind of lead you through and let yourself experience those sorrows. And they're like, well, this is why it's so confusing because I'm holding this thing, which one time I held as a baby and it was so beautiful. And I'm holding as a dead body and it's really sorrowful. Yeah. And it's the same person that I'm holding mm. and I don't get it, God. And just let him lead you through that. And then also a beautiful meditation about letting yourself be Jesus. Yeah. And allowing being dead. You know, but not just the, the sense of death, but for me more allowing yourself to be held by our lady. Yeah. Watching yourself being laid in her lap. And real realizing like I'm dead. I'm dead in my sin. Mm-hmm. I'm dead emotionally. I'm dead spiritually because I'm going to a dark place. I'm dead mentally because I'm just burnt out. I'm dead physically yeah. because I'm in pain. I'm dead whenever there seems to be death in your life. And very much in the metaphorical way or in the real the real way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are feeling spiritually dead and let Our Lady hold you in that place and, yeah. and, and see the tender compassion of her eyes that she does not abandon you in your death. She just does not let you go. She does not let you um, leave you uh, in the midst of this sorrow you're going through of feeling dead in one way or another, but is with you and holding you 
in that time and caring for you. And you'll get to the place where you're like, well, I don't want to like <laughs> forget the tomb. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just going to stay right here. Like yeah. Yeah. I just want our lady to hold me, yeah. you know, in the midst of this time. And I don't mind being dead because she's sitting there holding me and that yeah. sorrow can become actually a beautiful moment of peace because you recognize that our lady is holding you. And the only reason you're in her arms is because you've died. Mm-hmm. And let, let Our Lady speak to you through that moment. Yeah. And of course, putting yourself in the place of John the Beloved and mm-hmm. Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea, asking for the body, Mary Magdalene, and all these characters. Yeah. And then, or just watching all the scene like you were just describing yeah. are all beautiful ways to meditate upon a scripture passage. And this one is a great way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe you're like listening to this and you're like, well, like I can't, like, I can't put myself in Mary's place. Like, I can't put myself in our Lord's place. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not them. You know what I mean? And, uh, but, but our Lord has come to share his life with us, to share his mysteries with us. And then our lady participates in that. And so, so that St. Paul can really say that it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that, that, that we are meant to become one with Christ so that our life is his and his life is ours. And so that um, he really does want to be that, that close to us where we can then um, identify with him and he can then identify with us. And where, where, you know, sometimes we even want to ask like, well, like, Lord, like, where were you in the midst of like uh, this tremendous pain and suffering in my life? And he was like, well, I was, I was inside of you experiencing that pain and that trauma with you, you know? And so um, we invite him into to our lives and our hearts. And then he also then draws us up into his life um, and his mysteries. And, and then our pains and our sufferings are redeemed thereby. Uh, and so it is not impious or arrogant to, to pray and to then find yourself, you know, like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm just in our lady's lap for, for this, or, or, or I'm holding our Lord, um, that, that our lady is just so humble. Um, and she doesn't possess these mysteries. Like they're just mine and I can never No, She wants to share them with us. She wants us to just sit next to her and just hold her son with her in her lap. Um, and so, yeah, we don't have to be afraid uh, or feel unworthy to, to pray in this way like this. Um, I've had the the privilege. Um, I do. I couldn't say a privilege, even though it's hard, um, uh, of being with parents mm-hmm. when they encounter the body of their dead child. Um, one was a suicide. One was a murder. Uh, one was simply a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and someone had passed away in the hospital. And and, and I think there's been a couple of those. Um, and and there's these, these profound moments of uh, of. And I, there's so many emotions, it's hard to have sorrow, but of, of grace as well, yeah. where you just encounter how raw mm-hmm. like we are, <laughs> like in the depths. And, and again, they say there's no greater sorrow, you know, for uh, a parent than to encounter, than to lose their own child. Yeah. Their child One guy told me, he's like, you're wrong, father. Like losing a spouse is harder. It's like, it's like I think a man would say that, and not a, like another woman. I think for sure, a mother, it's yeah, a child. Yeah. For, I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, but it, with that being said, like this profound sorrow, mm-hmm. and and just and I know there's people out there who've encountered this, who are listening to us, who've mm-hmm. lost a child, yes. either uh, because it was um, even in the womb before you even even met, it was yeah. just a stillbirth or um, uh, whatever happened, or you've lost a child tragically mm-hmm. in your life. Um, and 
the the profound mystery that we enter into is um, again it's this place of of real vulnerability and 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 we I want to encourage you not to put all the walls up because in those moments what's really beautiful is um, especially when when the, you see the parent oftentimes there is just no walls mm-hmm. it is it is as if they've been killed yeah. the wailing and the the mourning and the crying and the despair and like the falling to the ground and the like the nasty slobber cry that's yeah. all over it's you know you just see the raw um emotion that's just coming out and at the same time there's usually a couple other people there who are just like you can see the wall just built up to all the pain and all the hurt and just like stacked up like i'm i have to be strong i don't want to deal with it etc and and just to recognize again this that entering into this mystery because a lot of us have experienced it um that oftentimes we want to do you know a couple of things and one is to totally swallow ourselves off from it and say i'm not gonna let this pain pain hurt me or pain take me or um, we, we just like, well, then there's no hope and we just give up hope in the midst of the pain. And maybe we've allowed ourselves to experience a little bit of the pain, but then they would just kind of give up. And that's another way of kind of like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to just despair. But in the true reality of our lady to just to experience pain and loss and the sorrow and not to, to wire yourself up on it and then to not to give into despair, but to continue to hope in the midst of it, continue to hope that, that this is not the end this is not the last time I will see my yeah. son. And it's what every mother must tell herself when she has to encounter her child. Yeah. Because it is our hope that one day we will see each other again in our heavenly homeland. We were, we started this by talking about the Pieta and, and just how beautiful and, and, and just the, like the, the, the spirituality of the Pieta and how, and how good that is. And, but it does make me, and then listening to you talk right now, there is there is a way in which our, our religious art, and, and it should do this, um, kind of cleans up the the mystery for us a little bit. You know, I mean, the, the body in the Pieta is not really marked with lashes and, you know, beat up and bloodied and, and these things. It is sort of a, a more whole body that our lady is holding and then even our own crosses um in our churches maybe unless you go to like a like a spanish church like that, <laughs> yeah have you seen one of those oh yeah no the spanish oh, it's, it's hard it, it's hard to you look know, at the, and uh and so and there's 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 a place for but i'm not I, I i love our crucifixes in our churches i'm glad that they're not super gruesome you know what i mean i think that would be maybe not always most appropriate but but i think sometimes that can then lead us to think that like well, that, that then life and the spiritual life um, should also sort of be clean and tidy. And then just listening to you talk right now, it's like, well, actually the body that Our Lady received into her lap was like beat up and bloodied and tortured. And 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 it was really, really messy. And, um, and we can put up these walls and just stand back from it, be like, that's way too ugly to look at that's way too traumatic to even think about or experience like i don't i don't even know how to begin to deal with that uh, but then there is our lady um you know the all sinless one just right there in the muck and the mire um and the blood of of all of the sin in the world um killing her son and she just holds him um, and so I think it's an encouragement for us to not, first of all, not to think that like our spiritual lives have to be these clean, tidy things, uh, but that these mysteries, um, 
are, are, are divine mysteries, but they're made up of the human stuff, which is just dust and dirt and blood and tears. And, and that's, that's where grace is. That's where our lady and our Lord are. I was in Ethiopia for a mission trip before I became a Franciscan right after I graduated college. And it was interesting to me that like when I first got there, these couple of guys were like guiding us around, like every time, like, like they they got dirt on their shoes and their pants. They were like really kind of a little perturbed and like, what, like real good anal, like wipe it off and like wipe their shoes. Like I saw one of them go to get his shoes polished one time. I'm like, oh, these guys are like, always want to look good, huh? Yeah. But then I realized because I was there for about a month, they only had one pair of clothes. Yeah. Like they wore the exact same set of clothes the entire time hmm. I was there. And I was like, oh, this is why they like don't want to get sweaty. Yeah. And like maybe, and I talked, the one guy had like, clothes he wore when he played soccer because like the yeah side, but like he had those two set like he had the pair of clothes he was wearing around for us and like and then he had yeah. like a work like soccer clothes like a soccer uniform and i was like oh this is really profound because i'm i was there for a month and i had you know multiple sets of clothes mm-hmm. and like you get stuff dirty it's just like all right i'll wash it our lady didn't have like multiple sets of clothing mm-hmm. this mm. isn't like like this is something where you you do your wash and then you let it dry and you put your clothes on. Like there's not, yeah. especially with the garments, like this seamless garment that the Lord wore. Like he's not have like multiple seamless garments. Like right. this is, so there's two legends. One is that our lady took her veil off to wrap it around Jesus's body. So when you see the loincloth around him on the cross, mm. it's actually our lady's veil because he would have been crucified naked. She, she yeah. was covering his body, which had been scandalous enough to like show her hair. Sure, yeah. And then two, she's receiving this bloody corpus mm-hmm. onto her clothing and like, there's this is your set of clothes yeah. like but and just all that you said the dirt and the blood and everything else it's like okay like there's a time to be like clean and proper and make sure you don't mm-hmm. keep your but there's a time to just like get into the mess yeah and like that's when this is the moment where you just have to get into the mess yeah. and like i don't care if this like bloodies my clothes yeah and like i don't have any clothing because this this is gonna be a stain that i have to deal with i have to make a new set of clothes whatever the case may be mm-hmm. because it's worth it in this moment there's times when I think sometimes we don't want to enter into something, yeah. some kind of pain. We say, I don't think I can ever recover. If I go back there, if I deal with this, if I if I enter into this, like I, I might get so angry, I never recover. I might be so sad, I never come come back. And it's like, no, there's sometimes you just have to receive the body of Jesus in yeah. your one set of clothes. Recognize you're just one person and the Lord will be with you in it. And again, hope springs eternal. And mm-hmm. in that moment, you can still have hope. And despite everything getting bloody and messy and nasty, like what happens? Our lady lives for another, yep. you know, till she's 72 yep. and and living with John and receiving the Eucharist. And and whether or not same set of clothes or not, but it's it, she did, it didn't matter mm-hmm. because in that moment she had to just enter into the mass. Yeah. And beautifully, you talk about art. That'll be our special fun yeah. question day. Talk about our favorite piece of art. But before we get there, uh, just a reminder, everyone, please like our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen. Um, we have up on our website, if you go to bookonfire.faith, a little pop-up screen in which you get uh, our, a chance to put your email address. Um, if you haven't been getting them, we've been sending out the videos of the talks from Firecube. Oh, praise God, so yeah. So you're getting the um, Bishop Mumstead talk, the Sister Martha talk, the Sheila talk. Instead of having to watch all two hours or whatever the event was or trying to find them, you just get those videos so you can look at them. You can share them with other people, the video of our seminarians. Uh, but we need your email address to get that. It's because it's going to everyone our email address. So please go sign up. Get your email address to us, and we will get that those things out to you. Get our newsletters, etc. And please again like and subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. And so, Father, the time has come. We talked about the Pieta, that beautiful piece of Michelangelo, and everyone out there is holding their breath, waiting to hear 
what your favorite piece of art is. Yeah, I, this is this is really hard. Uh, I I really like a particular style of art, and I, I hope I can say this right. Uh, chiaroscura. It's uh, so like most famously, we can think of um, um, like Caravaggio. This is like his. He, he uses this kind of where it's like it's really dark, but then there's this use of light, and there's usually kind of like one light source that's sort of like illuminating the whole yeah. scene, and there's all this darkness around it. So I had the 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 great opportunity to see his like triptych of the life of Saint Matthew. So we're all mostly familiar of like the call of St. Matthew. Um, but there's also then like, I think it's called like the inspiration of St. Matthew where he's like writing his gospel. Uh, and then also Matthew's crucifixion. Um, and I particularly love the, the one where Matthew's writing his gospel and it's his inspiration. And he's like, he's kind of standing, but he's like, he's like leaning on something and like the, the, the chair is kind of like rocking and his his robes are kind of moving and there's this angel above him. There's all this sort of movement and he's just being inspired to write his gospel. There are this, this awesome, um, you know, the first gospel in, in the Bible. And, and so I, I love that. And then there's also one called the penitent Magdalene where mm -hmm. she is sitting at a desk by candlelight looking yeah. into the mirror. Yeah, I know that one. And, yeah. uh, and I, I saw this one at the, the Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Uh, when I was a seminarian in D.C. And so I just love that style of light. I love the darkness. I love the light. And uh, so those are the, those are the things that, that come to up. Those are, those, those are some of my favorites. Beautiful. No, I was at, we were in D.C. for the March for Life. I took the kids and yeah. I was like, I offered. I was like, anybody, I will take you on my, t my yeah. favorite tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. One, one, one kid took me off to go like, I'll just show you all my favorite pieces. Yeah. Because I've been through this thing yeah. a lot of times. Like, I know exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. So if you want, if you're in D.C. with me, ask and I will take you on my tour of the favorites, National Gallery of Art. Yeah, I love it. Which there. I think are the best ones. But um, yeah, it's I'm right. So, but I think my, and I'm just going with, like, I knew I was going to ask this. We talk, oh, you're going to talk about the pizza. I was like, yeah. I'm going to ask this. So I was thinking about it briefly. And there's just a piece of art that's always just stuck with me. Mm -hmm. I was had the privilege of going to the Louvre in 2018. And what an incredible, if you ever get to Paris, go to the Louvre. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, well worth it. I took like every, my, I just took a picture of all of my favorite it's like 20, like dozens, like a couple dozen that's of them. That's so awesome. But the one that's really stuck with me is called The Deluge, mm. or The Scene of the Deluge. It's by, I had to look it up, Anne-Louise Girodet de Ruiz Triosom, G-I-R-O-D-E-T. That was uh, expertly pronounced. French, uh, and the painting was done around 1802 to 1806. Uh, what's profound about it, so it's this, this image of Noah and his family. But instead of going to the ark, they're like climbing a cliff. Hmm. And you've got the the deluge, the blood blowing. You see some, like this dead body like floating in it. So you see like the, the waters are coming. And for me, it's like they're trying to get to the ark. Yeah. Like the ark's been built, but they're trying to get there. And he's carrying his father. It's just very much this Aeneas image. Yeah. If you've had the privilege of reading the, the Aeneas, mm -hmm. the Aeneid. I mean, he's like carrying his father to save him from choice. Yeah. So he's like carrying his father to safety. Um, and they're climbing up this cliff. And, and what he's got his father like around his, and then he's reaching out and he's holding his wife. Like, and she's got their two sons who are still infants. Mm. And she's holding like one in one arm and the other one's like holding onto her hair. And she's got this beautiful like orange. And yeah. and he, uh, and they're holding off like he's, so he's got one arm he's holding onto her and she's like passed out. She's like overcome by everything. Yeah. And the other he's holding onto this tree branch 
but the tree branch is breaking. So you see the tree branch <laughs> splintering and you're like, he's like holding on, yeah. like looking back at her. He's like, I like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. And, and it went to, to the color. So beautiful. Like she's wearing this beautiful orange. And, mm-hmm. um, it's not for the prude. There's a little bit of, um, yeah, you know, some classical art, you know, classical you, you art see the there. human form and all of its, you're uh, seeing you know, the human form. Yeah. Um, but what I love about it is, is I know what happens. Like mm. I know Noah like saves his wife and his kids yeah. and gets up that cliff and gets to the ark. Yeah. Like I know that tree branch doesn't break, even though it looks like it's going, hmm. it looks like there is very little hope with the flood waters rising and the dead bodies all around. And like Noah's like, what am I going to do? And, and, and it, I love it so much because it's just recognizing that God intervenes. Yeah. And he saves Noah in the situation. And he doesn't let that branch break. And he doesn't let his wife fall. He doesn't let like all the tragedy that could occur. That looks yeah. like it's about to occur in this it's very dark. There's like the light up ahead, but the darkness all behind. The darkness will not prevail. And so it's just a, a piece that's always struck me. I love it. Got to go to France now. Yeah, Got to get to France. All right, Father, if you're closed with the prayer. Absolutely. Yeah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Father, we ask that you would just uh, pour forth your grace into us that we might persevere worthily and well the rest of our Lenten season so that we might celebrate uh, the sacred mysteries of of Holy Week uh, with all of our hearts, minds, and souls. Mary, our mother, we ask that you would intercede for us uh, to give us the strength and the courage just to invite us into uh, that space in your heart um, to receive uh, the body of your Son. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.